on. Time now for Fantasy Football Weekly on KFAN, presented by Devonis. Your weekly source for the nation's best fantasy speculation and advice. Fantasy Football Weekly is also brought to you by Green Belt Premium, No Name Butcher Quality Meats, Honda, Town Hall Family, and by the Park Tavern. Now, now, along with Fanball and League Safe's Matt Harrison and Brian Johnson, here's Paul Charchian. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It is Fantasy Football Weekly on the Fan. As mentioned, and correctly, in the opener, my co-hosts, Brian Johnson and Matt Harrison. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Uh, Boy. Happy to say we've already got three people on hold, even with the 7 o'clock start time. We uh, we think that's fantastic. We will do our very best to get to your calls. I would be sleeping. I would be sleeping, too, <laughs> probably. I would uh, I would be streaming uh, later. I'd check out the podcast on uh, the iHeartRadio app or iTunes. Uh, that all works. KFN.com. Fan on demand. We always uh, we encourage people to find it however you can. A lot of people went up against. And by the way, all the normal stuff that you love about the show. Take a chance on me. The five tough questions. We'll break down all the matchups. The premature speculation. The lightning round. I want to open by addressing people who went up against some combination of Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Chris Boswell, and or the Pittsburgh defense because they all put up gigantic games and in many cases. People played against three of that combination in some cases. Those people probably packed it in and aren't even listening right now. Pack yeah, it in if your opponent did that. They are uh, sleeping. <laughs> they are sleeping. Um, Still in fetal the, position. What is the recommended course of action when you find yourself down by a bunch? Now, in the case of Antonio Brown, you're probably going to lose. But uh, you might, you know, if you only played one of those, you know, you might be able to scrap your way back. What's the rec- recommended course of action when you're down by a bunch? Well, I think when it's the choice between two players, you have to go with the high upside guy. You have to just go for every home run hitter you can. Right. You don't go for the guy who's going to get you eight yards and or eight catches and 90 yards. You don't go for Jarvis Landry. You go for a guy who has a chance at three touchdowns. Kenny Stills. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good example right there. And then there's always... Although Landry's been scoring touchdowns. He has been scoring Five touchdowns. of the last six games. So that True. might not have been the best example. over Traditionally, over the course of his career... That's you're right. That's the guy you want to avoid. Seven a.m. The synapses aren't firing yet. No, not yet. They yep. um the the other thing I like to do I like to put together quarterback wide receiver combos or quarterback tight end combos so that if that wide receiver hits twice, I also get paid on the quarterback hitting twice. So I try to manufacture that matchup if I can do it as well. Yeah, stack as much as possible. Yeah, stack stack as much as possible. Yep. Throw the kicker into and let's get the extra point on that play. Yeah. So you know that's. Yeah, that's that's the angle I think. Or a special, uh, t- go for a defense and a guy. That, or if you have Tyreek Hill, of course you're going to start him. But and you have Kansas City, obviously too. But that's an example, you know, where you go a, a kicker you turner a- and the defense. You can double up there on points mm. for a, a special teams. Special teams. But, uh, yeah, that was if, a bad example. Those guys are both ways. Yeah, yeah. but uh, um, yeah. pull out all the stops. That's all you got to do. That's yeah. It's you're going to need help, but there are you know there are a handful of things that you can do. Let's jump right into the matchups, guys. New England takes on uh, Oakland. New England's offense starting to—it's starting to all come together, even without Chris Hogan, Danny Amendola doing very little. But the New England offense has played very well lately, and I don't see a lot here with the Oakland defense to suggest it's going to stop. Well, it's worth noting that this game is being played in Mexico City, 
Uh, not in Oakland. Thank you very much. That is absolutely true. By the way, I, I'm going to make the rare kicker prediction. I believe Goskowski is going to kick four field goals in this game. He's got the second most field goals on the year. Oakland gives up the second most field goals on the year, and they're playing in an altitude that's higher than mile high when they're in Mexico City. Goskowski, your ultimate kicker option this week. So it was interesting to note they played in mile high, the Patriots did last week. Yes. And they stayed in Denver to stay acclimated to the altitude. Oh, the I, you know, I, I had not heard that. So, that's smart. So they, uh, they've been out there and they're ready. So Tom, They also love legal weed, too. That's why they stayed out there. I heard <laughs> that, too. Belichick has been blazing <laughs> Straight to Mexico for him, too. Uh, Tom Brady is the conquistador in this game. He gets the A grade. Uh, El Gronk also getting an A grade. Uh, that the, team, or the Raiders have allowed four scores in the ninth most catches to tight ends this year. Uh, Brandon uh, Cocineros, uh, Brandon Cooks, he gets an A grade. He was targeted a season high 11 times last week against Denver, which was awesome. Uh, Cooks draws a favorable matchup against Sean Smith. He's the league's 64th-ranked corner, according to Pro Football Focus, and we probably won't see Chris Hogan this week. Senior Amendola has finished with 40 or fewer yards in four consecutive weeks, but Raiders corner TJ Carey has allowed a touchdown to a slot receiver in two of the last three weeks, so he gets a C grade. That's a, that's a yes grade, by the C. way. <laughs> C. <laughs> that's a good point. I like the C grade takes on all new meaning <laughs> yes. in Mexico City. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Arriba. Uh, well Rex Burkhead and Dion Lewis are both getting a B grade. I'm not sure which one of these backs will get the goose huevo this week, but uh, <laughs> the uh, Raiders are giving up the fifth most receptions to running backs, the seventh most receiving yards, and are tied for the second most receiving touchdowns. That means Burkhead's a g- easy B. Uh, Burkhead saw 51% of the snaps this week. last week. He's my favorite. The Raiders' D has allowed the fourth most rushing yards in the league, and Deion Lewis is suddenly the guy taking over as the every-down running back. Uh, he should be good for 15 carries as he's averaged the last two weeks, and Lewis took four of the team's red zone carries last week. Mm-hmm. Let's flip on over to the... Jeez, this is so weird. <laughs> it's better than the ticking clock. Yeah, I trust suppose me. it is. Uh, let's flip on over yeah, to the, the Oakland ticking, side. The ticking clock owned you. Uh, Marshawn Lynch is going to get a dose Equis grade, which means he's on the bench. Uh, the Pats defense has allowed only two backs to go over 74 yards. They've given up just three touchdowns to running backs since the opener. New England does allow a league worst 5.0 yards per carry, but Lynch is only averaging 11 carries per game. The passing game, however, Derek Coche, he gets an A. Over their uh, last three outings, they have not given up more than 233 passing yards, the Patriots that is, or one touchdown. But Koche has gone over 300 yards in each of his last three outings. Eric Koche. Uh, Amari Cooper's getting a B, and Michael Cangrejo Arbol <laughs> is also getting a B. The Patriots' defense has allowed the second most yards and the third most catches to receivers. Cooper's seen more time in the slot in the last three games. His target his target load has gone up to about 13 per game during that stretch. Which is a lot. Yeah. And then finally, uh, also a Cosinero. Jared Cosinero, mm. a different kind of cook. Uh, <laughs> cook is averaging 97 yards in his last three games, going into the matchup with New England. The Patriots haven't allowed a tight end to catch more than two passes the last three weeks, but they were a torch for five tight end touchdowns in the first six weeks of the season, so I still like Cook. He gets a B grade as well. Well done, Senor Harrison. On delay. That, on delay. Bueno trabajo. <laughs> that was a good job. Ich bin ein Berliner. Yeah, I spoke German in high school, too. Very nice. 
Uh, Jaguars taking on the Browns, and quite the opposite matchup here. Uh, I got to believe there's uh, there's going to be very little to like about the Browns side. But so let's start with the Jaguars side. Blake Bortles, fifty one passes last week. Do you think the aerial attack is maybe emphasized here, especially if Leonard Fournette isn't able to go? Yeah, uh, well, the, the path of least resistance against Cleveland is through the air. They have a very legit run, deep. Uh I'm still putting Bortles on the bench, though, uh, even though Cleveland has allowed 19 touchdown passes, which is the third most in the league. Uh, Bortles has one or zero passing touchdowns in every game but one this year, and the one game he didn't was that London game, which is a little fluky. So I still have him on the bench because I'm not a big fan of his pass catchers, who we'll get into here, uh, starting with Mark Easley, who I have on the bench. Might be surprised to hear that because he is my boy. We go way back, but he's likely to be shadowed by Jason McCourty. Pro Football Focus is number two ranked cornerback. Quarterbacks have an average rating of 54.2 when throwing into McCourty's coverage. Remember, so, Tennessee just cut him. Yeah. And, like, in the preseason. They didn't need him against Antonio Brown. No, certainly Thursday. not. Yeah, no. that was a that was a tactical blunder. Uh, it doesn't get much better at wide receiver. Alan Hearns has been ruled out with a knee. That brings Keenan Cole into play. Uh, I'm sorry, Keelan Cole into play. I'm going to give him a des- desperation C. Uh, Cleveland has allowed five wide receiver touchdowns over their last four games. And uh, Cole has averaged 50-plus yards over his last three with a catch of 20-plus yards in each game. His targets have increased four straight weeks, so he could be a sneaky little uh, play this week. Uh, as could Mercedes Lewis. Uh, if Schmerick Schmibron got it done, I didn't say his name. Um, Thank you. I do deserve a, uh, a little peacock here, though, because I did say to play him on Fanball last week, and if you did, you uh, made out all right. Uh, Mercedes Lewis. He gets a C. Yep. Uh, Mercedes <laughs> Lewis could be another uh, sneaky daily play on Fanball this week. It's just against the Browns. Uh, that's all you really have to say. A great matchup for tight end, so I'm giving him a C. Yeah, this is the Browns. Were it not for the Giants, we would be talking about how you, you deploy every tight end against against the Browns. Absolutely. Now, yeah. what about D.D. Westbrook, which I've had a dozen people ask me about this week? Uh, I just He's not a lock to play this week, the last I, the last I heard. And, it, uh, it sounds like he will be active for the first time, uh, but there's no knowing what the yeah. snap count's going to be like, what his role's going to be like. I think you're... you're that's a huge gamble. Yeah. To, it's a, to, a speculative ad, but don't play him. Yeah. Don't play him this week. He's probably a bonus pre- premature speculation there. And then finally, Leonard Fournette, who you uh, mentioned, Charge. I'll give him a B if he plays, but a borderline C. Um, said it's a very tough defense, run defense for, for Cleveland. Ranked number two against the run by football outsiders, DVOA. Only one running back has topped 60, rush, 60 rushing yards against the Browns, and that was your boy, Buck Allen, Charge. So, yeah, uh, my guy. Over to Cleveland. This will be quick. The passing Sam, before game. Before you leave that, that side of it. Only defense in the league that is not allowed a 100-yard rusher or a 300-yard passer, Cleveland Browns. Yeah, and obviously if Fournette does sit, Chris Ivory and even Corey Grant become somewhat intriguing, but I'm not very compelled to start them in a very tough matchup. But uh, Ivory, C-level play if Fournette does sit, but don't get excited about his prospects. Uh, Cleveland passing uh, bench the passing game. That's pretty obvious. Even Corey Coleman, who should make his return, you don't want to start him. Uh, I'll give Isaiah Crowell a C, though. Even though since the Jaguars have acquired Marcel Darius, they're average or allowing under three yards per carry. Uh, mm. The run defense wasn't very good before acquiring Darius, but Crowell, Crowell has turned in back-to-back games with at least 95 scrimmage yards and a touchdown. He's averaging 5.7 yards per carry over the last two weeks, and Cleveland is going to have to try and run the ball to have any hope in this game. Uh, and I'm, I'm benching Duke Johnson, though. That, uh, excuse me. The Jaguars are uh, pretty tough against pass-catching running backs, and Browns not, or Duke's not going to get enough carries to warrant a start. As we said at the time, all that those touchdowns that Duke Johnson was was manufacturing early in the season, that wasn't going to keep going, and it hasn't. 
Nice little player, but he's not a touchdown scorer. Final matchup of this segment. Lions taking on the Bears. We begin with Matthew Stafford. Bears rank top 10 in passing yards allowed and in the top five in passing touchdowns allowed. I don't love this matchup. Stafford barely crossed 200 yards passing last time he played in Chicago. Didn't throw any uh, touchdowns in that game. And that marked the second time in the last three seasons that he's failed to throw any touchdowns in Chicago. This has been a tough spot for him. So I'm nervous about uh, Stafford, but he's been so hot. I'm still giving him a B grade here, but he'd be closer to a C than an A. Uh, Staying with the passing game, Golden Tate gets a C grade. Despite his 100-yard game in Green Bay two weeks ago, He's been bad outdoors. Not one of his 17 touchdowns since coming to Detroit has come in an outdoor stadium. And in three games in Chicago, he's totaled 100 yards. That's it. Gross. Bears have only allowed one 100-yard receiver all season, and that was Antonio Brown in week three. Golden Tate's good. He's not Antonio Brown good. It goes back to last year, the Bears stifling number one wide receivers. They 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 just shut them down. They do. Uh, C grade on on Golden Tate, C grade and Marvin Jones, hyper inconsistent. It's it feels like an exploitable matchup with Chicago corner Kyle Fuller, who was ranked 89th by Pro Football Focus in two games with Chicago last year. Though he posted 67 yards and 74 yards, didn't score. I feel like that's about what you're going to get from Marvin Jones this week. That puts him in the C grade as well. Uh, Eric Ebron, I feel like I have to mention him because he scored last week. Chicago is an elite tight end defense. Do not chase last week's fluky touchdown. Kenny Galladay, only 11 snaps last week. You can't start him until we start seeing more consistency in playing time. Let's talk about Amir Abdullah. Go to the running game. Suddenly getting goal line touches. Amir Abdullah, rushing touchdowns in consecutive games. Uh, Bears run defense, very middle of the pack. They're 15th in yards allowed. They're averaging 110 rushing yards per game, but... They're likely without their run-stuffing linebacker, Danny Trevathan, in this game. And the return of, of Detroit's left tackle, Taylor Decker, definitely helps. Chicago's allowed eight touchdowns via the ground, tied for the second most, including three in just the last two weeks. So I like Amir Abdullah. B grade on Amir Abdullah this week. Let's go to the Chicago side because this won't take long. There's only one startable player, and that's Jordan Howard. Get this. He has not scored a touchdown since Mitch Trubisky took over. None. And even John Fox, though, has got to know that his team's best chance to win goes through Jordan Howard. So I expect a lot of carries. Chicago's three wins have all come in games that were big Howard carry games. And Fox's job is dangling by a thread. He has to manufacture wins. And all of his wins comes in games where he pounds Jordan Howard. It hasn't happened much, but... They haven't won when the Bears have been favored, right? They don't have a win. Never. As the it, with in John Fox's yeah. tenure in Chicago, they're 0-6 in games in which they've been favored. By the way, they've only been favored six times. That's what I meant by not happening. I think it's 0-7 because last week they were favored, too, um, against the Packers. You, you're right. You may be right that now they're 0-7. Yeah. Uh, that could be. Uh, Detroit, top 10 run defense that, that hasn't, although that has not stopped the Lions from giving up 10 Rushing touchdowns tied for second most in the league. So I think Jordan Howard does get a touchdown here and, and finds the end zone again. He um, he did not score against Detroit in his rookie year, but he did rush for almost 200 yards in the two games against the Lions. He averaged five yards per carry. He gets an A grade in this game, and you're benching the entire Chicago passing game. Trubisky has thrown one touchdown in his past three games. He's failed to top 164 yards in all but one of his NFL starts. 
And if you're thinking about looking at Dontrell Inman because he's emerging as the go-to receiver, yeah, well, he gets Darius Slay, and he's on the Slay ride, so he's out too. So nobody to go to there whatsoever. When we come back, nine players you can pick up off of the waiver wire. We call it Take a Chance on Me on Fantasy Football Weekly when we return. Yeah, we are maintaining our, our Latino flavor. I love it. You can salsa your way to the victory this week with these nine players, many of whom are available on the waiver wire. Let's hear who we got for Take a Chance on Me, beginning with our quarterback position and Brian Johnson. Uh, I got Blaine Gabbert, who is now on the Arizona Cardinals, if you were wondering. Uh, they are at Houston. Uh, the Texans have allowed a league-worst 21 total touchdowns to quarterbacks. They have also surrendered 300 yards passing and multiple touchdowns to five of the last seven quarterbacks they have faced. The Texans also allowing 5.5 yards per carry to quarterbacks, and Gabbert does have some wheels. And I know his resume is not stellar by any means. But please remember that he played for the Jaguars, the Jaguars back in the Dark Ages, and the 49ers last year, who had no weapons whatsoever. He does have Larry Fitzgerald now. Yeah. So Gabbard has a shot on Sunday. All right. I'm, actually, I'm kind of with you on that. All right, Matt. This kind of sounds stupid, but I'm going to take Andy Dalton going against the Denver Broncos. Uh, Matt, we only have two hours. If you're going to preface all of your statements <laughs> with... This may sound stupid, then we look, we're going to run out of the show. Uh, anyway, Denver's allowed a touchdown pass in every game this season and multiple touchdowns to three of the last four quarterbacks they faced. They've also allowed the fourth most touchdown passes in the league this season, but the fourth least amount of receiving yard or passing yardage. So yeah. it's likely a low yardage game, but there's a good chance Dalton throws two red zone touchdowns. So. If you're in a two-quarterback league, plug him in. He's going to get two. When we hear more about this matchup, I bet you're going to tell me you like Tyler Croft. I do. We'll find out. I've got... It's not It's not a fantasy football weekly season. If I haven't at least once gone to bat for my guy, Stu Beard. Yes. You right. mean Stu Barba? Stu Barba? <laughs> he's, he's, not in, he's not playing in Mexico City. <laughs> oh. Uh, I'm just feeling it right I, now. I can tell. <laughs> Stubier, Brian Fitzpatrick, has at least one touchdown thrown in each of the three games that he has played in for the Buccaneers. The Dolphins are surrendering the sixth most passing touchdowns, and four quarterbacks have thrown multiple touchdowns against them. The wildly inconsistent Cam Newton, last week, four touchdown passes against the Dolphins. I only need Stubier to be half as good as Cam Newton. He can do that. Now, Fitzpatrick's known for his turnovers. But the Miami passing D has only had three interceptions all season. That's brutal. So maybe it doesn't even hurt you with any negatives here. Stu Beard against Miami. Let's go to the running back position. Brian. I have Seattle's J.D. McKissick at home against the Falcons. McKissick is the clear-cut pass-catching back with C.J. Proceis back on IR. Uh, but he also appeared to take over as the featured back in the second half last week when Thomas Rawls only got one carry in a game that was still very much in question. Uh, McKissick looked good, uh, averaged more than five yards per touch on nine touches. And Atlanta, it's all about the pass catching here, though, for yeah. uh, McKissick. Atlanta allows over six catches and over eight targets per game to running backs. So uh, McKissick is a nice little ad. Agreed. 
I've got Austin Eckler, and this is all about the Bills' defense just being terrible since Marcel Darius left. They're averaging over six yards per carry in those two games and giving up 475 rushing yards and seven rushing touchdowns in those two games. It's unbelievable. It's it's insane. Eckler had a season-high 15 touches last week. His snap percentage has gone up every week from the last in the last four weeks from 11% to 33% last week. And Melvin Gordon's been pretty inefficient, to say the least, over the last couple of weeks. He's also battling knee and foot issues, so they could spell Gordon a little bit, give Eckler a little bit more time on the field. Kenyon Drake goes up against Tampa Bay, and I, he's looked far better than Damian Williams. They say that they're going to do a, continue an almost even timeshare, but you know, even if they do, Drake's been pretty good, even in the timeshare. But I think in the reality... And sooner or later, the cream rises to the top. Team coaches want to win their games, and they put their best guy on the field, and that's going to be Kenyon Drake. Uh, he goes up against a Bucks defense that's allowed 100-plus yards to opposing running backs in four of the last six games. Let's go to the wide receiver position and, and or tight end position. You can do either one. Brian. I usually go tight end, but I'm going to go wide receiver this yeah. week. Uh, Houston's Bruce Ellington at home versus Arizona. Uh, more specifically, Ellington's at home versus not Patrick Peterson coverage. Yes. Uh, who uh, he will likely or surely shadow DeAndre Hopkins in this game. Seven of the ten wide receiver touchdowns allowed by Arizona have come from number two wide receivers. Ellington stepped up last week with Will Fuller banged up, who will likely miss this game as well. Uh, caught four passes for 41 yards on eight targets, so I'm liking Ellington. Okay. It wouldn't be a fantasy football weekly if Charge didn't have Stu Beard, and it wouldn't be a fantasy football weekly if I didn't pick on the Giants' defense versus a tight end. I know. But Travis Kelsey's too easy. It is too easy. So let's go Demetrius Harris. The oh, backup the backup tight end. tight end against the Giants. I like it. The Giants have allowed top five totals in targets, catches, yards, and touchdowns to tight ends. They've allowed at least one tight end touchdown in every game dating back to week 17 of last year. There's enough for everybody to go around in this game. Demetrius Harris is going to score a touchdown. It's going to be great. Well, we talked on the podcast yesterday yeah. on Fanball. You can play three tight ends. You might as, play, might as well play all three tight ends for the Chiefs <laughs> in this game. Uh, our final take chance to be player is former Minnesota Viking, now Raven, Mike Wallace. Healthy for the first time in, well, basically all year. Uh, running most of his plays from the left side of the field, he's got a very winnable matchup against Green Bay's corner, Devon House, who ranks as cornerback 94 by Pro Football Focus. Packers secondary can be beaten a wide variety of ways, uh, but downfield speed guys in particular, hammering them. Josh Bellamy got loose deep for a touchdown against the Packers last week. Week before that, the speedy Marvin Jones, 107 yards and two touchdowns. Week before that, Ted Ginn, 141 yards. Speed guys burn the Packers. We know all about Mike Wallace. He's just cheap speed. Let's see if that can all come together. Uh, We'll take a break. When we come back, More matchups, including Chiefs versus the Giants. Are there any Chiefs to play other than their three tight ends? Uh, That's laughable. (laughs) Find out when we come back. You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. on the fan, Paul Charchian, Brian Johnson, and Matt Harrison with you. Matt, let's dive right into your matchup. Chiefs take on the Giants. We know we love all of our tight ends. It's the matchup of a millennia for 
Travis Kelsey. He can lit. He's on pace for potentially a Hall of Fame career. He could play ten more years from now. Get enshrined in Canton. He will never ever have a game that looks better on paper with higher expectations going into a game than Travis Kelsey has for this one. Yeah, he's uh, the top receiver on Fanball this week too. For, top, he's the most price. expensive, most expensive, expensive price receiver. receiver on How Fanball. about that? And it makes sense. Yeah. Um, you can start Travis Kelsey, obviously. You can start Demetrius Harris. Frankly, you could start Ross Travis, the third-string tight end, who got two <laughs> targets last week. How about this? Let's pull Tony Gonzalez out of retirement and maybe Keith Cash and Walter White. Start them, too. <laughs> Tyreek Hill, he gets an A grade. The Giants' last two games, they've allowed 23 yards to re- per, per reception to Rams wide receivers and 26 yards per catch to 49ers wide receivers. And that's 394 yards and three touchdowns on just 16 completions. And Tyreek Hill averages 22.7 yards per catch, so he's an easy A grade. Alex Smith getting an A grade. Giants defense has allowed nine passing scores in the last three games. And uh, multiple touchdown efforts in every road game this year for Alex Smith, so he gets the A. Mm. Kareem Hunt, I'm getting in the bounce back game. I'm giving him an A, too. Big time. No Sean. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No Sean Moreno? Is he no Sean coming? Moreno. Yeah. No Sean Moreno. Never mind. Just keep going. Just ignore me. Hunt hasn't seen... Oh, uh... it's no Snacks Harrison. That's what I was trying to go with. I, I was... Samsonite. I was way <laughs> off. It was not even close. No Snacks Harrison is the run-stuffing uh, the run stuffing lineman for the Giants in this game, and that's going to make things a lot easier on Kareem Hunt. Yeah, Hunt hasn't uh, hasn't done well, really. He hasn't seen the end zone since week three, and, and he's it's been held under 100 yards since week seven. But he did log 22 and 25 touches over the last two games, and the Giants' defense is ranking 28th in rushing yards per game. Four different running backs have topped 50 yards, and they've given up three running back touchdowns in the last two games. So everybody's an A on Kansas City. Let's go over to the Giants side, where I do have some starters. Orleans Darkwell gets a C grade. He's averaging 5.1 yards per carry. He's had 17 touches per week over the last four weeks. The Chiefs' run defense ranks dead last in DVOA. So this is kind of a nice Why only a C? I think he's more like a B, don't you? I mean, you're talking about a five-yard-per-carry guy against the dead-last run defense. I'm just worried that the game flow manages him out of it, well, and, that that he, and then he can actually. only get, get maybe 15 carries in this game. All right. I, I was just going to say you should have called them Kansas City. <laughs> what? <laughs> you gave them all A's. Oh, it's Kansas City. All right, I'll shut up It took me a while. Eli Manning, I'm giving a B. The Chiefs rank 28th in passing yards allowed, and since the opener, five different quarterbacks have thrown multiple touchdowns. They've also allowed 27 or more points in seven of their last eight away games. So he gets a B. Sterling Shepard, he's a B, maybe even close to an A. He's coming off a season-high 13 targets last week. He gets a great matchup against Pro Football Focus's lowest-rated cornerback, Philip Gaines, and the other corner that rotates into the slot, who's Steven Nelson, got beat for both of Cole Beasley's touchdowns before the bye. So Shepard won't see Marcus Peters at all. He's got a B to an A grade this uh, I got week. him a strong A. He's my number nine wide receiver this week. I love Sterling Shepard. Well, thank you. Um, Evan Engram, I'm giving a C grade to. He's had touchdowns in four straight games. That could be in jeopardy this week against uh, the Chiefs, who've only allowed one tight end touchdown all season. But they did allow Jared Cook to top 100 yards just two weeks ago. So... I still got Evan Engram as a C. He's the second best pass catcher that they have this, mm-hmm. this week. Agreed. Cardinals take on the Texans, Brian. Uh, it's been hot and cold games for Adrian Peterson. Is this the explosively good or explosively bad game for Adrian? 
Uh, we might be looking at a, re- a replica of his 21-carry, 29-yard performance against Seattle last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, this matchup against the Texans is almost equally as tough for um, AP. Uh, Houston ranks sixth against the run by football outsiders. And the Texans have allowed just one rushing touchdown all year, and that was to Leonard Fournette in week one. So uh, Peterson gets a C this week. Uh, over the passing game, I love Larry Fitzgerald. Going to give him an A. Houston slot corner Kareem Jackson has allowed the most yards in slot coverage despite being 20th in cover snaps. That means he gives up mm. big plays. Uh, he also owns a 129.5 quarterback rating, rating when thrown into his coverage. So you got to yeah. like Fitz, who has seen plenty of volume, even without Carson Palmer. He has 23, 23 targets over the last two weeks. Um, now to the other receivers. It's a great matchup on paper. Uh, the Texans have allowed back-to-back 170-yard receivers and four 100-yard receivers in the last three weeks. So uh, let's break them down, starting with John Brown. Very questionable with a back injury this week. I had him on the bench for that reason. He can't mm-hmm. be trusted. Jerron Brown is really the play here. Man, I hate talking about John Brown and Jerron Brown. I know. There's nothing worse. Jerron Brown is the play here, especially if John Brown is ruled out. Uh, Jerron averages twice as many targets without John, so he gets the C here. And I'm benching J.J. Nelson. Hasn't topped two catches or 40 yards since week five. Uh, another pass catcher that I'm liking more is uh, Jermaine Gresham. I'm going to give him a C. Over the last two weeks, Gresham leads all tight ends and red zone targets with five and has scored in back-to-back games. The Texans are one of six teams that have allowed at least 50 receptions to tight ends this year. Uh, Blaine Gabbert was my take-a-chance-on-me quarterback. And that is it for Arizona. Going over to Houston, DeAndre Hopkins, just to be here, usually an auto A, but he will draw Pat Pete who has allowed just 12 catches all season. That's one catch per every 30 cover snaps. Patrick Peterson wow. allows about catch. That? So Hopkins can still get it done, but it's going to be yeah. a tough, tough, tough day for him. Uh, for that reason, Bruce Ellington might take a chance to be wide receiver. Number twos have had a lot of success against the Cardinals. I also like C.J. Fedorowicz. I'm going to give him a C. He's averaging nearly eight targets in the three and a half games with Tom Savage at quarterback, and the Cardinals are allowing about five catches and 50 yards per game to tight ends. That's double-digit PPR points, so that's a C grade for me. I am not starting Tom Savage, though. I'm not snapping into the Slim Jim. I won't hmm. do the impersonation. Don't Thank worry, you. Church. Good. He's on the bench, even though I do think there's potential for his pass catchers. They're not all going to have a good game in this one. Uh, and Lamar Miller, probably not going to have a good game either. Uh, was averaging 19.5 touches per game until the last two games. He's down to 12.5 touches over right. that span. An Arizona tough matchup, ranked ninth against the run by Football Outsiders. Yeah, he was a guy that was best suited when there was a quarterback to take some heat yeah. off him, and, and, and Lamar Miller's not that guy. Vikings take on the Rams. Let's talk about the Rams side of this first. Todd Gurley, straight up awesome this year, but that's been in no small part because of his pass-catching prowess, but the Vikings can stop him both ways, on the ground and via the air. Vikings defense ranks number two in rushing yards per carry at only 3.4. They're number three in rushing yards allowed at only 72, and the Vikings have seen a steady diet of elite pass-catching backs. None of them have done anything. So I think this is a tough match for Todd Gurley with the one catch. I don't think I don't think Andrew Sadejo is going to go. And we have seen some epic lapses from the Vikings' run defense in games when Sadejo doesn't go. So that is the one asterisk on what is otherwise a B grade for Todd Gurley. If Sadejo doesn't go, you could probably move him up to an A grade. Let's go to the passing game where Jared Goff just gets a C here. He's been great in four games with 300 passing yards. Those four games were against bottom six pass defenses, and that's not the Vikings. Vikings are top ten in passing yards allowed. They're averaging just one passing touchdown per game, and they haven't allowed multiple passing touchdowns in a game since way back in week three. Four of the prior five Vikings opposing quarterbacks 
failed to even throw for 210 yards. So I don't like Goff. And part of the reason I don't like him is I don't like his matchups for his receivers. Robert Woods very likely is going to end up getting Xavier Rhodes in this one. And Xavier Rhodes might be the best shutdown corner in the NFL right now. He has meant the statistical death of virtually every opposing receiver. I don't like Robert Woods much at all, but I'm giving him a C grade just based on how good he's been the last few weeks. Sammy Watkins probably gets inferior coverage from Trey Waynes, but frankly, Trey Waynes has gotten a lot better over the course of this season. And the Vikings have only given up six wide receiver touchdowns all year, and only one wideout has topped 60 yards since week three. So I don't even love Sammy Watkins here. Just a C grade for him. Cooper Cup's on the bench. He's second on the team in targets. He's second in the NFL in red zone targets, which is good, but it doesn't translate into fantasy points because he scored only one time in the last five weeks. The Vikings have only allowed one slot receiver over 30 yards over the past six weeks, and they've shut down guys like Golden Tate and Randall Cobb and Juju Smith-Schuster, who I think are all at least as good as Cooper Cup. Let's go to the Vikings side. Start with the running game. I've got C grades on Jarek McKinnon and Latavius Murray here. Um, now, the Rams do rank 29th in rushing yards allowed, which is great news. The bulk of that has come against <clears throat> excuse me, straight-ahead power rushers like Carlos Hyde and Zeke and Leonard Fournette. That's not Jerick McKinnon's kind of game. He's not a straight-ahead power rusher. So maybe that means we're going to get more of the mundane stylings of Latavius Murray, who's averaging 18 carries in his last three weeks. McKinnon is still averaging 14 carries, though, five targets the last five weeks. So he gets his chances as well. If um, the matchup is well-suited for them, but because they split everything pretty much down the middle, they both get C grades here, and that is it. Let's go to the passing game. Case Keenum gets a C grade in this one. Um, I'm cautious about his receivers. In fact, let me start with the receivers, so that'll help better explain why we've got a C on Case. Adam Thielen's the only player in the league with at least five receptions in every game, but he goes up against Rams slot corner Nickel Roby Coleman, who's allowed two touchdowns to slot receivers all season. They held in check Jamison Crowder and Doug Baldwin and Alan Hearns and Larry Fitzgerald. Only Sterling Shepard has broken the 50-yard mark from the slot against Roby Coleman all year. I think we owe him an apology. I think we used to rag on him last About year. His ironically named. Well, and he just wasn't very good, but he certainly has right. He seems to be playing better now. Yeah, definitely. Well, funny what Wade Phillips will do for a career. True. Uh, wasn't and, it just cornerback Roby before as well? Yeah, maybe. maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he added a last name maybe, and it helped him out. Maybe he married a, a fine woman with the last name of Coleman and decided to take her name and hyphenate. Could Let's be. Let's not rule that out. Uh, so, uh, I, now, <laughs> Roby Coleman is a little, he's a little on the slow side, and Adam Thielen's game is all about burst and quickness. So, he does have an opportunity here, and I still have a B grade on him. All right, Diggs. Uh, converging trends for Stefan Diggs. He's been awesome in the three home games. 93 yards, 173 yards, and 98 yards in the three he's played. Um, two, two, and zero touchdowns in those three games. But he draws excellent cornerback Tremaine Johnson on the left side of the defense where he most often lines up. And fanball writer John Holler notes that Johnson has given up no touchdowns and an average of three catches per game. That's it. So, And Diggs runs two-thirds of his routes on his side of the field. So, I've only got a C grade on Stefan Diggs here, C grade on Kyle Rudolph, who has caught at least five passes in five straight games, but hasn't gone over 47 yards during that span, and he's not scoring. He's unlikely to uh, start stretching the field against the Rams, who have shut down the likes of Jimmy Graham and Jordan Reed and Jason Witten here. So just a C grade on Kyle Rudolph. So that lastly brings us to Case Keenum with another C grade. That's the overwhelming grade I've got on his receiving options. 
I'm I'm hesitant to give a strong recommendation here. They've got the Rams have uh, posted 28 sacks on the season, which is a lot, but Case Keenum's only been sacked five times, which is amazing. The Rams secondary is tough too. Only three quarterbacks have thrown for more than 225 yards against a the ninth ranked pass defense of the Rams. Six quarterbacks have thrown zero or one touchdown pass, and that is usually what you get from Case Keenum most games. Zero or one touchdown pass. I am not chasing last week's four touchdown performance. Let's see if we can work in a phone call or two. Aaron, hello. Hello. Hi, Aaron. Hey, how's it going? Good. Thanks for your patience. I, I appreciate it. I got a couple questions here. First one, uh, quarterbacks, would you play Carr or Wilson this weekend? Oof, that's, a, that's a tough, tough call. I, on paper, New England looks like the easier matchup, but that defense is starting to turn things around a little bit. I just Patriots' uh, pass defense over the last five weeks is 10th best in the NFL. So there's, if you look at the season-long rankings, they still look like they're dead last. But if you shorten it to the last 10 weeks, they're actually quite good. Yeah, and uh, we'll talk about this game later, but it, I think it's fixing to be a shootout, and uh, I think Wilson will be uh, – It was they, these teams met last year, and it was a shootout, so I'm expecting a repeat performance. So I'll go with the dual-threat quarterback here and say Wilson. All right, and then running backs, uh, Burkhead, Abdullah, or Collins from Baltimore? I still don't trust anything in the New England backfield. When you think you have it pegged, and that's Burkhead this week, it, it Belichick flip flops on you. I'm going to go with Abdullah, who I charged like gave F- a B grade on Abdullah. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to agree with Charge there and say uh, Amir Abdullah. All right, and then right. one last one: uh, Woods, Cooper, or Sanders. I know you said Woods is probably going to get roads closed. I think so. So it's for sure Cooper and Sanders. Yeah, uh, that's, that's Emmanuel Sanders. I'm yeah, guessing. Yeah, I would go Emmanuel Sanders. He'll get the most volume, I would think. Not a great matchup for uh, you. Gave Sanders a starting grade. I got him. C. I got him as a C. Yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not a great matchup, but I would still. Uh, I like his chances better than any Rams receiver this week. Yeah, if, right. I, if I'm the Vikings, yeah, thank you, Aaron. If I'm the Vikings, yeah. I think we just set his whole lineup. Uh, if I'm the Vikings, I shut down Robert Woods and I take my chances with Sammy Watkins. Uh, ben, hello. Thank you for your patience. Almost an hour on hold. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning, all of you guys. Thank you. Um, let me do something really quick. Would you trade and try to trade Robert Woods for uh, Tariq Hill at all? Yeah, that, that's easy. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, he's so hot right now, and you, you trade a guy while he's at his peak value, and I think Robert mm-hmm. Woods is at his peak value right now. And your two cents, uh, medically standing, uh, let's do uh, Ryan or uh, Hogan on uh, Patriots. I'm trying to think of should I drop the guy to get uh, Chargers defense? I have Seattle. Uh, I I like Hogan quite a bit yeah, when he when he does return, and I think he's getting closer and closer. Uh, I'm I'm not a real doctor, but I have consulted online doctors, and I believe he will be back in a few weeks. Okay, thanks, guys. Thanks, Ben. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, five hot questions for you to ponder, perhaps uh, over a slice of Devani's, our sponsor for the five hot questions segment. Can you go 5-0? and oh, Play along with us when we come back. You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. Welcome back to the show. A couple of notes for you before we get into five hot questions. 
Many thanks to our decade-long sponsor, Grain Belt Premium, the official beer of fantasy football. Don't forget to play the free Crush Charts Challenge at GrainBelt.com. As always, many thanks to the uh, to the brewery for all their support, particularly Sean Ryan, Lee Wendinger, along with the owners, Ted and Jody Marty. And many thanks to Dave Wilson, manager at Manny Steakhouse, where we get to have our winner's banquet in January. That's not that far from now. Can't wait. One of the highlights of my year, meeting up with all the winners at Manny Steakhouse. I've been lobbying for this for years that the rest of the Fantasy Football Weekly guys should come eat steak at Manny's because they probably want to meet Brian and I as well. Well, well, yeah, what's not to like? I mean, you guys have notable local celebrities as well. Yeah, absolutely. D-list. Absolutely. (laughs) You know who will be there? Dan Giuliano is going to be there. Oh, Week Dan? 10, Dan Giuliano will be there. I know Dan. Absolutely. Not really, but... Uh, Week 10 winner Dan Giuliano will be there. And that, uh, that'll that be an exciting moment for all of us. No can doubt. we get a list of all the winners so Matt and I can start a petition and have <laughs> them sign it? But now, Dan Giuliano, they, they can bring a guest. They have oh. the option to bring a guest. You, oh, you hey, need here to we go. This is our angle. Yeah. To Dan Giuliano. Any of That's the Crush Church Challenge winners. That's right. Find find me you need a on date? Twitter, That's at right. Explosive Output, and Brian's at BTXJ. That's right. We will be your dates for sure. Yeah, find, find me first. Devani's hot question number one. Who is the best waiver wire quarterback for the playoff run? Now, let me explain playoff run and waiver wire. Playoff run is weeks 14, 15, 16. If you play in week 17, you're doing it wrong, and you're not going to get support from the show. If And by waiver wire, this guy's got to be available in half of my fantasy league leagues. So again... Devani's hot question number one. Who is the best waiver wire quarterback for the playoffs? Brian. I'm going deep here, and I'm going to go uh, Denver's Paxton Lynch, who won't be starting this week, but he is inching closer to starting. And uh, starting week 12, he has a great schedule. Uh, It's at Oakland in week 12. I'm sorry. We're going only week 14. Week 14 is the Jets, and then at Indy, and then at Washington. Those are all... Neutral, if not plus, matchups for Lynch, who is very mobile or was in college, so right. he has some excitement there. And, hey, he's got two great receivers in Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. So I do think he will start by the playoffs for sure, and uh, he does have some enticing matchups. Yep. I've got Blake Bortles. Uh, yeah, Blake Bortles right there. Uh, fantasy playoffs against Houston, San Francisco, and Tennessee, all three of which are bottom 10 pass defenses. We just saw Tennessee get lit up on Thursday night. Dude threw 51 times last week, and it's worth noting that Blake Bortles has never once lost a playoff game or a Super Bowl. (laughs) Sounded like there was more to that. Has never lost a Super Bowl, Blake Bortles. Very nice. Uh, The correct answer is Jay Cutler, owned in only 28% of leagues. Uh, Very improved, averaging two and a quarter touchdowns per game over his last month of play. And... His two main targets, Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, healthy now, and three favorable matchups in the playoffs. New England, currently the bottom-ranked pass defense on the season. Buffalo, a defense that's getting worse by the week. They recently gave up three straight 300-yard passing games. And Kansas City, the 28th-ranked pass defense on the season. Correct answer, Jay Cutler. Devontae's hot question number two. Who is the best waiver wire running back for the playoffs? This was the hardest one. Oh, by the way, let me mention this. Do you think you're going to end up starting Jay Cutler? Well, hopefully not. But, you know, if you're headed to the playoffs, anything bad could happen to your quarterback, and now you you need somebody serviceable. If you're powering your way into the playoffs, you want to make sure that whatever starter is getting you there 
if anything happens to that guy, you've got a backup. Or maybe that guy runs into the Jaguars in the playoffs. You've got somebody else you can scramble to. That's why we do this exercise. Who is the best waiver wire running back for the playoffs, Matt? Uh, I have Kenyon Drake. Uh, like like you said, the schedule for the Dolphins is very favorable in the playoffs. New England, Buffalo, Kansas City. And if your uh, league do- goes to Week 17, which we don't recommend, they get Buffalo again, so that's just fun times. Uh, seven catches for 82 yards and a touchdown, or seven runs for 82 yards and a touchdown last week. 15 total touches and 104 yards the week before. He looks like the best runner there, and that offense is really flowing a lot better since uh, Jay Ajayi left and Kenyon Drake showed up. Uh, he was my premature speculation last week. I'm going to go with Houston's Daanta Foreman, who um, his carries have been going up in the last few games. He's seen double-digit carries as Lamar Miller's touches are going down. Foreman's basically a Miller injury away from being a fantasy fo- uh, factor, and uh, Miller got hurt last year. And uh, starting in Week 14, he has San Francisco. That could be a... <laughs> That could be a very good matchup for Foreman if he gets significant touches. And then in Week 15, he has Jacksonville, and in Week 16, he has Pittsburgh. Those aren't great matchups, but those are certainly matchups where the Texans will be forced to run more than they are to pass. So I will go Da'Anta Foreman. Uh, yeah, I like the Da'Anta Foreman angle as well, but that is not the correct answer. The correct answer is Devontae Booker. By the playoffs, Denver's going to. By the playoffs, Denver will be out of the real life playoff hunt by the time the fantasy playoffs roll around, and they might be they, out of that by this no, week. They, to they, be they, fair, they, that could be too. Uh, they may well want to give their rookie runner a long look to see if he's the answer for next year or not. And they they face a bunch of mediocre run defenses in the playoffs: the Jets, the Colts, and the Redskins. All teams that are just sort of middle of the pack run defenses. They all give up four or four point one yards per carry. Devontae Booker owned in forty nine percent. Of fantasy league. See, I think Kenyon Drake is not even in. I don't, I gotta believe Kenyon Drake's owned by way more than half of, of fantasy league. So I, I don't think he's even eligible for this. Because if he were, I think I would have taken Kenyon Drake. But I don't oh, okay. think he's eligible because I think he's rostered everywhere at this point. Devani's hot question number three: Who is the best waiver wire wide receiver for the playoffs? Brian. Real quick, Booker isn't really eligible either because he was my premature speculation a few weeks ago. So doesn't make all, him ineligible. All, all our listeners a- added him. They, they, they all, yeah. Our listeners already yeah, have everyone's him. Everyone's added right. him already. But he is, he is 49 and change percent owned in my fantasy league leagues. All right. Uh, wide receiver. Uh, yeah. Let's go to my New York Giants and Tavares. I thought you weren't King. doing your savage thing this week. That, that, that was that wasn't. That savage. was awfully savage right really? there. Oh, inadvertent <laughs> oh, yeah. savage. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, that's like the stomaching, I'm not trying to, you know, up Chuck here when I talk about the Giants. But anyway, Tavares King clearly is the clear-cut number two receiver for the Giants. Opposing defenses will focus on Sterling Shepard and Evan Engram most likely. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw in a bonus Week 13 matchup at Oakland, one of the sorriest secondaries in the NFL. But in Week 14, it goes Dallas, Philly, then at Arizona. Uh, Patrick Peterson will certainly be on Sterling Shepard in that Arizona matchup. So I'll just go Tavares King because he is the second wide receiver on that team. Okay. I've got Martavis Bryant because he's been just dropped outright in a lot of different places. And I didn't check the ownership percentage on this uh, you should you sprung this ownership percentage on me like late in this five tough questions thing. So I got Martavis Bryant. He gets Baltimore, uh, New England, and Houston in the last three weeks. New England and Houston are super plus matchups for mm-hmm. the for the Steelers. And frankly, Martavis Bryant's got to get his head together and got to get back in good graces with the Steelers coaching staff because this is really his maybe last shot in the league. He's already been suspended for a full season. 
he's got to get back in good graces so he can go into the playoffs and, and be a difference maker for the Steelers. Correct answer is Marquise Goodwin, owned in only 43% of leagues. He will be... Now, if if part of Brian's rationale is he liked a number two receiver that you can go get, how about a number one receiver for a team? Now, <laughs> granted, it's not a good offense, but by the time the fantasy playoffs roll around, who's his quarterback going to be? Jimmy Garoppolo. That will be a massive upgrade to quarterback. The first two weeks of the playoffs are delicious. Houston, ranking 28th in passing yards allowed to receivers, 30th in passing touchdowns allowed to receivers. Tennessee is the week after that. No team has allowed more wide receiver scores than the Tennessee Titans. For those first two weeks, Marquise Goodwin, genuinely startable. And you watch, they'll be he'll be a take-a-chance-on-me guy in those weeks. His nickname is Marquise to the Castle, by the way. Keys to the castle. Keys to the castle. <laughs> it was also a premature speculation of mine a few weeks before Devontae Booker. <laughs> you can't get oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. You can Question get number four. That is the right answer if you want. Should fantasy owners drop James White, Matt? So in the last three weeks, his touch counts have gone from nine to seven to five. His snap percentage has gone from thirty-one to twenty-three to sixteen. That's all since Rex Burkhead came back. Rex Burkhead took over that job. And really, if you're playing fantasy, it's best not to have Patriots running backs and try to deal with that scenario at any given time. So, yeah, I think you can drop James White. Okay. Brian. That's where I was leaning. But, uh, well, obviously in non-PPR leagues, you can drop James White. He's totally worthless there. But in PPR, I'm holding. He's... Always, always, the overarching always assumption for the show is half-point PPR. So every listener knows I'm that? Like... Well, All you should. Now, now but I know it, now. but I was That's for, right. for clarity. Just time clarifying. Every now right. and again, we do that. Okay. But anyway, he is a lock for four to five catches a game still, I think, even with Burkhead back in the mix. Uh, White is second among running backs in red zone targets. Mm. And over the last four weeks, White has seen more than 20% of New England's red zone targets. That is a healthy uh, share. So that's something I can't give up. I'm not saying you have to start him every week, but I am still holding on to James White. Correct answer is we're going to kick him to the curb. Uh, he has scored in two of the last three weeks, but James White touchdowns are, let's face it, very fluky. And to Matt's point, he's down to five and a half touches per game over the last two weeks. Five, you just can't be fantasy relevant on five and a half touches per game. Lewis is a better runner. Burkhead's a better runner for sure. Um, and the schedule only has one opponent in the bottom third. I went back, I went looked at the entire rest of the New England Patriots schedule against running backs through the air, and they only have one compelling matchup left this season for the rest of the way. And it's Oakland, and it's Sunday. So if you don't play him here at, at Oakland, you're never going to start James White. Cue the mariachi music. Yeah, we should, actually. Yeah, exactly. We just referenced it. Uh, yes. So we will drop James White. Devani's hot question number five. Which is the real Leonard Fournette, the consistent workhorse we saw in the first portion of the season, or the flaky, injured, and suspended version we've seen in the last month? Brian. Uh, I don't know if you recall, about five or six weeks ago, you asked a, a hot question about Leo Fournette, if he could sustain his ridiculous touchdown per game pace. And uh, Back then, I was a little worried about his durability, and I said no, because at that point in the season... He was on pace for 320-plus carries. Uh, in his last year at LSU, he only had 129 carries, so I was worried he would hit the wall. He kind of has injury-wise with this ankle issue that won't go away, and now he appears to be a bit of a knucklehead. 
breaking all these team rules. So right now, the real Leonard Fournette is the injured flaky version. I don't. Hopefully, he's not that in the long term. But right now, people just care about this year. So I will say injured slash flaky. Okay. Yeah, Brian hit all of my salient points there. It it just looks bad because of how Fournette is already on the injury report again this week. I I don't want to deal with it right now. Leonard Fournette has been a workhorse back uh, throughout his time at LSU. He's a freakish talent. We've already seen it. He's a three-down back. We've seen that. High first-round pick. Those guys get every benefit of the doubt to stay on the field even when they do dumb stuff. He's a young kid who will probably not make the same mistakes that he's making now, in part because he's getting the discipline that he deserves. He is hes in the middle of a an utterly mundane ankle injury that we will never remember in a couple of weeks. He will be a top five ranked running back in everybody's preseason rankings next year, and we will never remember this bump in the road. Bonus question. The rare sixth hot question. Oh, no. From emailer Tony, who wants to know, Tar, Tarnowski, who wants to know, where is in the zone because this show sucks? Matt. Uh, Gophers have an 11 a.m. start today, which means we go early. Change the station, bro. Bills take on the Chargers. Bills take on the Chargers, Matt. And for the Bills, LaShawn McCoy. Awesome games, terrible games. You don't always know when they're coming, but this is a Chargers run defense that's been pretty bad for most of the year. What do you think about LaShawn McCoy this week? So I gave him a B grade. He's one of just five players averaging at least 22 touches per game. Unfortunately, he's only averaging 2.7 yards per carry on the road. And the Charger defense has allowed just one rushing touchdown and one 100-yard rusher in the last five weeks. And a lot of that uh, coincides with Denzel Perriman, who came back from IR. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's a good run stuffer. Uh, The Chargers held the Jaguars running backs to 21 carries for 45 yards when you exclude Corey Grant's 52-yard fake punt gain. So it was was two yards per carry uh, last week. So uh, that's why he gets knocked down to a B. The, The... the load of uh, carries is still going to be there, though. The passing game, on the other hand, uh, everything changed because Nathan Peterman is now the starter. He and the rest of the passing game, including Calvin Benjamin, Jordan Matthews, and Charles Clay, are on the bench. The Chargers have the number 6 DVOA pass-rated defense, and they rank second in the NFL in sacks with 29. Peterman's going to be under duress this whole game. Calvin Benjamin also has to deal with Casey Hayward. The Chargers' defense has only allowed opposing receivers to score one touchdown in their last three games, and they've only allowed one touchdown to opposing tight ends all year, yet to allow 100 yards to the position, so Clay's on the bench, too. Over on the uh, San Diego, it's not San Diego anymore, it's Los Angeles. Los Angeles. The Chargers side, uh, Melvin Gordon's getting an A. New Orleans has 24 straight second half, or New Orleans last week, had 24 straight second half rushing Running plays, that's right. They scored six touchdowns on the ground against the Bills last week. And I mentioned a lot of the Marcel Darius stats when I when I talked about Austin Eckler, who's my take-a-chance-on-me runner. That's why Melvin Gordon's getting an A. There's enough to go around here. The passing game, however, it's not as easy. Phillip Rivers is getting a C. The Bills have only allowed one multiple-touchdown game, and the rush defense is just so bad that nobody's throwing on them at all. Mm-hmm. Cam Newton, Derek Carr, and Drew Brees combined for one touchdown pass against the Bills. They don't need to. They don't need to throw. Uh, that's why Keenan Allen's only getting a C. He's had just one 50-yard showing in the last four weeks. Hasn't scored a touchdown since week one. Yeah. The Bills have allowed just four receiving touchdowns all year, but they've given up a couple of big games to wide receivers. A.J. Green, Michael Thomas, Demarius Thomas, and Mike Evans all had great games. 
That's why Allen's frankly not on the bench right here, and he's still getting a C. Yeah. Uh, Hunter Henry is on the bench, though. Yeah. Two targets in consecutive games. So frustrating. And the matchup's just not there, so Hunter Henry's on the bench. It's so hard to know when the Hunter Henry good game is coming. Very difficult to decipher that. Buccaneers take on the Dolphins, Brian. Uh, I I had Ryan Fitzpatrick, Stubeard, as my take a chance to be quarterback. He gets Mike Evans back. What do you think other elements of the passing game here, like Deshaun Jackson? Yeah, uh, Evans will give him an easy A. Uh, he's pretty angry, too, so I kind of like that factor. Chip for on Evans the shoulder. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, though, still is a boomer bust candidate. Uh, give him a C grade. He, with A potential, though, that's boomer bust right there, right? Miami right. has allowed seven wide receiver touchdowns in their last five games. Hey, if Johnny Holton and Marvin Hall can score on Miami, mm-hmm. why not Deshaun Jackson? Jackson. Right. Jackson. Uh, can you guess what teams Johnny Holton and Marvin Hall play for, by the way? No. Question seven. <laughs> Oakland and Atlanta. There you go. We all learned something today. Sorry, uh, Miss Jackson. Sorry, Miss Jackson. Uh, Cameron Bray can give him a C, too. Uh, just one catch in each of his last two games, but Miami has allowed the second most catches and 10th most yards to tight ends. I cannot talk today. Mm. And Matt, you did, you did, didn't you have uh, some great, great stat last week when McCown throws to tight ends? He's like better than Uncle Rico. Throwing that football over the mountains. It was it was Fitzpatrick throwing to tight ends. He had just this insanely oh, yeah, good. Uh, yeah. So hopefully, so hopefully he does that yeah. with Brait and, and charges take a chance. I mean, quarterback was Fitzpatrick, as he said. I will give uh, over the running game. Give Doug Martin a B, averaging a solid fifteen and a half carries per game. Not posting great numbers, but that's kind of auto start volume for me. Muscle hamster has gone catchless in each of the last two games. He's been a bad hamster in that regard. But the good news is that Miami is bottom 10 in rushing yards allowed and has given up the third most rushing touchdown, so Martin is startable. Over to Miami. Charge, you're going to hate this, but I'm giving Jarvis Landry an A-plus in PPR and an A-minus in standard. No, I like him this now, week a lot. Now, this is justified. Oh, you can't go with the plus and minus part. In yes. PPR, you, you can't, can't because Landry, aside from Antonio Brown, already played this week, so he has yeah. an extra game. And uh, actually, Landry has two less games than Brown. But Landry is first in catches among wide receivers, 33rd in yards. That's hard to do. Think about, and you should That's see the list of players above him. It's yeah. pretty ugly. But he has touchdowns in five of six, and uh, five of his last six. And Tampa is just getting shredded by wide receivers. That's why I'm also giving Devontae Parker an A. The Bucks have surrendered at least one wide, rec- wide receiver touchdown in seven of nine games. And Parker is very consistent uh, when healthy, as he pretty much is right now, and has a very high ceiling. Kenny Stills, I'm going to give him a C. Basically a bonus take-a-chance-on-me player, averaging nearly eight targets per game over the last four has at least five catches and 65 yards in three of those four games. And there have been six secondary outside wide receivers who have at least 95 yards or score a touchdown against Tampa Bay this year. So Stills mm-hmm. is startable. Uh, Julius Thomas, just barely out of sea territory for me, has scored in back-to-back weeks, but just two catches last week. Opposing tight ends are averaging less than four catches and 45 yards per game against the Bucks. so I have Thomas on the bench. Jay Cutler is startable, though. He uh, gets a C. Does certainly has B potential in this matchup, averaging two-plus touchdowns over his last four starts. Tampa Bay has given up at least 260 passing yards and one touchdown in eight of nine games this year. That's probably a safe floor for Cutler. And Damian Williams, I will give a C because he's technically the starter, has seen 10-plus touches in two games post-Jay but has been far less productive than Kenyon Drake. Your take a chance on me running back charge. I Correct. agree. He is the much better play. All right. When we come back. We'll continue with our matchups, including Redskins at the Saints. Many of you picked up Samaje Pirine. Will you start him right off the bat this week? We'll tell you when we come back. You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. 
weekly on the fan. We got a segment filled with matchups coming right now, but next segment, premature speculation and lightning round with a special a special dedication in lightning round. Let's jump into the matchups, beginning with Redskins taking on the Saints. Start with the Redskins side uh, in the running game. Chris Thompson to be here. He will get a few more carries with Rob Kelly now on IR, but the bulk of his value will still come through the air like always. Thompson averaging five receptions in the Saints' own bottom 10 rankings in completions, receptions, and receiving yards to running backs. Kirk Cousins averaging 38 pass attempts in the last five weeks, and the Saints should stick with the pass as they try to keep pace with the Saints. So I like Thompson here. Staying with the running game, what about Samaje Pirine? Many people scrambling to the waiver wire to go get him this week. Only a C start here, though. Yeah, he will get the majority of the carries with Rob Kelly on IR. Last week averaged four yards per carry against Minnesota, which doesn't sound good, but the Vikings only give up 3.4 yards per carry, so we actually outperformed what most runners do against the Vikings. Um, I can see Washington just giving up on running the ball whatsoever and just passing the ball to Chris Thompson as their running game. Game flow is definitely working against Perrine for sure in this one, and and I alluded to that earlier with the Cousins' 38 pass attempts. Yeah. Now, the Saints shut down LaShawn McCoy last week. They shut down Doug Martin the week before that. Prior to that, they were gouged, though, by Jordan Howard and Aaron Jones. Straight-ahead power runners like Perrine. So maybe maybe there's an angle here, but only a C grade, and you're hoping for a touchdown out of Perrine. Let's go to the passing game. Kirk Cousins, only a C. I do think he throws a lot here. Um, but Washington's Saints, the Saints have a really good pass defense. They're number one. Over during their seven-game winning streak, they've got the number one ranked pass defense, only giving up 167 passing yards per game. That's it. But they haven't played anybody for There's quarterbacks that. in that. It, Matthew Stafford was the only one they played that was any good. Zero or one touchdown passes in six of the seven games yeah. that they have played during the seven-game winning streak. So I got Cousins with a C here, and part of it's because you know, try to find who his great target is. I mean, who's the target that's going to blow up with the big game? I told you I like Chris Thompson through the air, but I don't know that he's going to be explosive. Jamison Crowder, maybe over the past two weeks, he's averaged eight catches and 100 yards per game. But over the past five games, New Orleans owns top five rankings and catches targets, receiving yards, and touchdowns allowed to opposing wideouts. Crowder does draw the easiest cornerback matchup, though, slot guy P.J. Williams, and so he gets a startable grade here. Uh, Jordan Reed's out, but Vernon Davis is on the bench anyway because the Saints have yielded the fewest catches and receiving yards to opposing tight ends among all teams this season. He's out. Josh Doxson's volume remains too low. We can't trust him either, and he probably hooks up with Rookie of the Year candidate Marshawn Lattimore, Pro Football Focus's highest-rated cornerback, so a bench grade for Josh Doxson as well. Let's go to the New Orleans side. Uh, Mark Ingram's become a guy that we can just now say obvious A start and move on to because he's become that good and that bankable. Alvin Kamara, meanwhile, leads the NFL in yards per carry at 6.5 and, and a PPR juggernaut, averaging six receptions for 50 yards through the air since week number three. We're getting close to giving him an obvious A <laughs> he start. Is, he is getting close, right? So the six catches for 50 yards, you're getting Ted Ginn for free with Alvin Kamara's receiving yards. Yeah. And then all of his rushing yards is on top of that. At, by the way, six and a half yards per carry for Kamara. 
this one stat from the the RB scout on Twitter: thirty yeah. percent of Alvin Kamara's touches result in a gain of ten or more yards. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's, he's so good. Video game. Yeah, it really, really is. Uh, he faces a Washington defense that's allowed the fourth most running back receptions and the sixth most running back yards through the air. So an A grade for Kamara as well. A grade on, as we turn to the passing game for Michael Thomas. He runs uh, less than 30% of his routes from the right-hand side. That means he's mostly going to avoid Josh Norman, and that's the key. Anytime you can avoid Norman, and, and really, actually, the Vikings went at Norman and had plenty of success, but avoiding him makes it even easier. He's mostly going to see Bashad Breeland, Pro Football Focus's 100th-ranked cornerback. Over the past five weeks, no team has allowed more wide receiver touchdowns than the Redskins have. Thomas, A grade. Ted Ginn gets a C grade. He lines up on the... Um, he lines up on the side for Josh Norman, so I think he's got a much tougher draw here. But they've started shifting him into the slot, and that means he could draw Kendall Fuller a fair amount. And Fuller just got roasted by Adam Thielen, who is a uh, a speed guy of sorts as well, a quickness guy. And so Ginn could have some success from the slot that way. Drew Brees gets a B grade. Thanks to the league's best rushing attack, Drew Brees languishing in terms of passing attempts. Get this, guys. Over the last three games, he's thrown 28 27 and 25 passes. And I was thinking to myself, man, that's crazy low output for Drew Brees. Yeah. So I went back through his all of his career game logs. It's been 13 years since he went three games without topping 28 pass attempts. I would have guessed Purdue. Yeah, almost. <laughs> I had to go to 2005. Yeah. <laughs> it's been that long. And that will probably be the case here as well as we continue to love uh, Ingram and Kamara. Uh, all right. Let's move on to our next matchup, and that is Baltimore taking on the uh, the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay, Bay, Green Packers. Bay Pack. Bob Baltimore is going to win this game, by the way. This is going the to Baltimore be a, defense. A very unexciting game for <laughs> well, reality it's, it's and fantasy. But purposes. let's start here. I want to hear your thoughts on Danny Woodhead, week number one of availability. By the way, they're expected to activate him today, so technically he hasn't even been activated. But we'll find out. So it's your last chance at a premature speculation of Danny Woodhead. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's going to return. Terrence West is also going to return. We still have Buck Allen and we still have Alex Collins. This backfield's just muddy. I don't want any part of it this week. The Packers have actually allowed the ninth fewest receiving yards to opposing running backs. So I have Woodhead, Allen, and West on the bench. I'm giving Alex Collins just a tepid C. Uh, West looks like he's returning. Collins averages two yards more per carry than West does, and six backs have gone over 100 yards or scored a touchdown against the Packers this season. Joe Flacco, I'm giving a C minus, minus, minus. He hasn't passed for 270 yards all year. He only hit the two-touchdown mark once, but his top two receivers, Mike Wallace and Jeremy Macklin, are both going to be healthy and on the field at the same time. And prior to the gimme last week at Chicago, Green Bay's Defense had allowed an average of 329 passing yards over the last three games. Charch already talked about how he liked Mike Wallace as a take a chance on me wide receiver. I do. I gave Jeremy Macklin a C as well. I agree. Uh, Macklin's shoulder is as healthy as it's been since the beginning of the year. In the Mm -hmm. two games prior to the bye, he scored in one and hit 98 yards in the other. The pass defense for Green Bay is bad. They've allowed the fourth most receptions and sixth most yards to wide receivers. And slot corner Demarius Randall should be facing Macklin. He's pro football focuses 111th coverage <laughs> grade among 116 <laughs> quarterbacks. So Macklin gets a C, maybe even a B. Um, let's go to the Packers side where Jamal Williams, I'm giving him a C grade. Aaron Jones is out. It looks like Ty Montgomery is trending that way as well. 
But the Ravens' run defense is really good, and they've been dominating uh, since uh, Brandon Williams returned to defensive tackle. In two games prior to the bye, Baltimore allowed 45 rushing yards and 45 rushing yards to the Dolphins and Titans running backs yeah, combined. But Jamal bad. Williams is going to get all the work because there's just nobody else. So uh, he gets a C grade. Brett Hundley's on the bench, though. The Ravens have held seven of nine quarterbacks they face to one touchdown or less and seven of nine to 220 passing yards or less. Brett Hundley's got a groin injury that he's been kind of limping through this week as well. And Baltimore has more interceptions, 13, than touchdowns allowed this year. That kind of works into Brett Hundley's game right there. That does. That's perfect. (laughs) Uh, Devontae Adams is the only receiver I can give a C grade to. I wouldn't start anybody else. He faces Jimmy Smith, who doesn't leave the right size. Adams plays roughly half of his snaps from that position. But he has 33 targets to Jordy's 24 from Hundley this season. That's why Jordy's on the bench. His average game without Aaron Rodgers, 2.6 catches and 22 yards. You No touchdowns. All right. Just gross. That is gross. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, Falcons take on the Seahawks in a game in which the Seahawks are going to be very, very shorthanded offensively and defensively. We'll talk about that matchup plus lightning round and premature speculation when we return. You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. Welcome back, final segment, Fantasy Football Weekly. We're going to dive right into the matchups because we are behind time right now. Falcons take on the Seahawks, Brian. The Seahawks deeply shorthanded on defense. Cam Chancellor just went on IR. Uh, Richard Sherman on IR. And what I mean, I just went on IR like an hour ago. Uh, Luke Jokel not expected to go from their offensive line. Dwayne Brown not expected to go from their offensive line. Seattle comes into this game deeply shorthanded. I like a lot of Falcons. What do you? How about you? Yeah, you got to like the Falcons' pass game. Uh, they, they actually thrived last year with a healthy Seattle secondary yeah. when they played in Seattle. Uh, we'll start with Matt Ryan. He had 335 yards and three touchdowns in that meeting last year. Seattle secondary is obviously ailing, as you just mentioned. Uh, Ryan has thrown for multiple scores in three straight games. Also been very good on the road, averaging 287 passing yards and throwing for two touchdowns in every away game this year. So I had him as a B, but I'm bumping him up to an A with this yeah. <laughs> beleaguered secondary. Even though safety Earl Thomas might make his return, mm-hmm. but he's not at 100% if he does by any means. Um, so yeah, Julio Jones, who I had as a B, uh, he had a good game last year uh, in this matchup. Seven catches for 139 yards and a touchdown. And if you re- recall, he was jobbed on a, a non-pass interference call late in the game that cost them the win. Right. Where he had Sherman beat for another big game, so he was yeah. pushing 200 yards in that game. So I'm bumping him up from a B to an A now Now with this banged-up secondary. So you're obviously starting Julio. You can start Mohamed Sanu as well. Uh, I'm giving him a C. Sanu runs mainly from the slot, which should put him in Justin Coleman's territory, who is mm-hmm. plus in coverage. But without Sherman, they might kick Coleman to the outside now. So who, know, who knows how that secondary is going to shake up. So Sanu is startable with the C grade. Uh, so is Austin Hooper. Uh, Seattle has allowed four of the last five tight ends they faced to uh, catch at least four passes and and hit 60 yards. So I like Hooper in this matchup, too. And you got to like Tevin Coleman with no Devontae Freeman, who's out with a concussion. I'll give Coleman a B. Uh, he's in for an expanded role here. It is a tough matchup. The Seahawks are allowing just 101 rushing yards per game and have allowed the second-fewest receptions to running backs. But they have allowed eight total touchdowns to the position, including five in the past three games. So Coleman is a pretty solid start. Yep. 
Over to Seattle, uh, you mentioned the, the woes on the offensive line. That's causing me to, to bump a few of these guys down. I had Russell Wilson as an A. I'm going to put him down to a B. And that caller who I told <laughs> told uh, to start Wilson over Carr, I'm kind of flip-flopping there with the, this O-line uh, revelation. So Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, yeah. and uh, other than Aaron Rodgers, no quarterback has topped 265 yards against Atlanta uh, or two total touchdowns. They have given up good numbers on the ground to guys like Cam Newton and Dak Prescott. Both scored, so Wilson's definitely startable, but he's going to be running for his life in this one. He is. Um, Doug Baldwin, he did not have a good game when these teams met last year. I'm going to give him just a B. He's a borderline C. Atlanta has allowed just one 100-yard game to wider, a wide receiver, and uh, only one wide receiver has scored multiple uh, touchdowns against them this year. Uh, Baldwin will see a heavy a dose of Brian Poole, though, who is the second who allows the second-highest catch percentage among quarterbacks per pro football focus. So you're still starting him. I'm benching Tyler Lockett and Paul Richardson, though. Uh, Jimmy Graham, I'm going to give him a C. I had him as a B, but he might be doing a lot of blocking in this game. Yep, that's um, the worry. Six touchdowns in his last five games, though. Multiple touchdowns in two of his last three. Got to start him, but he's going to be in line for some mm-hmm. uh, O-line duty in this one, unfortunately. And then Thomas Rawls I have on the bench uh, with this this banged-up O-line. Only one carry in the second half last last week, so he is certainly on the decline. I don't think he was ever on the incline this season. So uh, <laughs> that is why J.D. McKissick was my take-a-chance on me running back. He should get a lot done through the air, and he was basically the featured back last week in the second half. Injuries play a big factor in the Eagles at Cowboys as well because Dak Prescott, once again, will be without his left tackle, Tyron Smith. Prescott sacked eight times last week without him there, six from that side. And Smith is going to miss another game. And that means Eagles defensive end Vinnie Curry gets to just tee off on him. And Curry is way better uh, than, was it Claiborne? Yeah, it was Claiborne who notched the uh, the six sacks last week. That's true. Uh, so... Curry Curry ranks 16th among defensive ends by Pro Football Focus. I'm nervous about Dak. He's all the way down to a C grade here because of this matter and seeing how it all worked out last week. After a shaky start to the season, the Eagles' secondaries improved dramatically. Over the last month, the Eagles giving up 229 passing yards and barely one touchdown pass per game. So Dak's just a C grade here. Des Bryant, just a C grade as well. He hasn't topped 50 yards in three games. And I worry about uh, a Dak having enough time in the pocket to find Des downfield. The good news, your your glimmer of hope for Des Bryant is that big-bodied receivers have tended to do the best against Philadelphia, and obviously Des is a big physical receiver. Jason Witten, just to see here as well, uh, I'm a little bit like Jimmy Graham, worried he's going to have to spend a lot of time blocking, unfortunately, and that may be the case for Jason Witten as well. We're going to keep the whole running game on the bench, though. Alfred Morris. Difficult task this week. He goes up against the number one ranked run defense in the NFL, Philadelphia, giving up just 66 rushing yards per game and an NFL low 29 first downs on the ground. Morris is also going to be on the wrong side of a game script in which probably the Eagles get ahead in this game and then the they need to throw and Alf doesn't catch passes. And so I don't think that works in his favor either. So let's keep him on the bench. Now, if they're going to throw a lot of passes, potentially to running backs, Rod Smith, maybe... We know that his deal is going to be your change of pace back, your passing down back, but I just don't know that he gets he cobbles together enough work here to make him a reliable starter. So I've got him on the bench as well. Now let's talk about the Eagles side. Carson Wentz, obvious A start. We don't even need to elaborate. Same with Zach Ertz, who's been an elite fantasy tight end all year long and a nice matchup here. Let's spend more time on Alshon Jeffrey, who is nursing an ankle injury but should play. But let's note the risk here that he really is a game-time decision for Alshon Jeffrey. 
Um, he's been red hot of late, but the Dallas secondary has only allowed two receivers to top 80 yards all year. And Jeffrey has scored a touchdown two of his last three meetings with the Cowboys, so a B grade for him. Nelson Aguilar. You may remember that five seconds ago I said that only two receivers have topped 80 yards against the Cowboys. Both of those receivers ran from the slot, and that's why I still like Nelson Aguilar in this game. I thought you were going to say both were Nelson Aguilar. No, no we're not actually, yes. No. Uh, although uh, it, it could have been. Uh, he goes up against Orlando Skandrick, who ranks as cornerback 63 by Pro Football Focus. C grade on Aguilar. All right, now uh, the backfield. And we touched on this last week during their bye week. This thing's always going to be confounding between Ajayi and Blunt and Clement, and to a lesser extent, um, what, uh, Wendell, Smallwood. Wendell, Smallwood. Wendell Smallwood. Thank you. Uh, Dallas has been a good run defense. Remember, they just held Kareem Hunt to 37 rushing yards uh, two weeks ago. But now they're without Sean Lee. And without him last week, they let the Falcons roll up 117 rushing yards. So, no Sean. No Sean Lee. Yeah, no Sean yeah. Lee. I like that. Uh, Blunt and Ajayi likely to share carries almost evenly. But Clement got the most carries two weeks ago. So I think probably two out of the three get paid in some fashion here between Ajayi, Blunt, and Clement. And good luck figuring out which ones because I don't think, I don't even know that the Eagles could tell you who it's going to be right now. Um, I've got C grades on them all because I think they're going to split carries almost three ways, and that's going to mean something in the ballpark of 8, 9, 10 touches. 8, 9, 10 touches. 8, 9, 10 touches. Hopefully a couple of them turn into touchdowns. I'm calling 15 carries for Ajayi. I know. You love you love that bit. I'm not as confident that Ajayi is just going to turn into a workhorse as others are. Bengals take on the Broncos. That'll be our final matchup of this uh, of this show. Let's see if we can zip through this one quickly, Matt. Yeah, Andy Dalton was my take-a-chance-on-me quarterback. He gets a C grade. A.J. Green, I'm giving a B to. Knocked down from an A, a usual A for A.J. Green, because he's going up against Aqib Tlaib and Chris Harris. Both rank among the top 15 corners in the league by pro football focus. But there's a lot of touchdown potential there because the Broncos are giving up touchdowns to the wide receiver position. So yeah. I like A.J. Green in the red zone. Tyler Croft, I'm going to give a C grade to. The Broncos' pass defense ranks... Bottom three in catches, targets, receiving yards, and touchdowns allowed to tight ends. They're almost like the Giants' West right now to tight ends. Set league high 746 yards to the position. So that's a lot. That is a lot. Joe Mixon, he's getting a C grade. Scored in two straight, but Mixon has totaled 70 yards from scrimmage only twice this year. Denver's run defense had a great start to the season, but over the last three weeks, they're giving up four yards per carry. They've also given up four running back touchdowns in that span. So Mixon gets the C. Broncos side, running game on the bench, Anderson and Booker. Anderson barely seeing over 10 carries per game in his last yep. five outings. And uh, the, the split on the snaps last week was 38% for CJ, 38% for Booker, 25% for Charles. This is gross. Let's just stay out of it. Yeah. And, and frankly, since he's got a good run defense as well. Brick Osweiler's on the bench. Only Aaron Rodgers is top 264 yards passing or two total touchdowns against the Bengals this year. Just C grades for Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, despite some good play in the last few weeks. Thomas has caught seven touchdown passes in 10 career games with Osweiler. Mm -hmm. Sanders has topped 99 yards in half of his career games with Osweiler. But just one opposing wide receiver, and that was Marquise Lee, has topped 65 yards against Cincinnati since week three. I don't like the matchup all that much, so it's just C grades for those Broncos wide receivers. All right, premature speculation. We only have a few minutes here, so let's uh, be be super brief on these guys. Brian, who you got? I'm going back to Paxton Lynch. I mentioned his week 14 through 16 schedule. Let me start with next week where he could or should make his uh, debut uh, at Oakland, at Miami, Jets, Colts, 
Redskins, all very good matchups. He could be an exciting talent. Okay. I've got Corey Coleman, who's returning from IR this week. He had a hand injury, just like he did last year. Yeah. Uh, coming back, he's the Browns' number one wide receiver easily. And yeah, by if talent, you can, for if sure. you can pick up a number one wide receiver this late in the season, you do it. Uh, especially for Dynasty and Empire Leaguers, Mac Hollins is the rookie fourth-round receiver from the Eagles whose snap count keeps going up week after week. Torrey Smith sucks. And Mac Hollins is going to take his job, if not this year, then definitely next year. Mac Hollins, your starting wide re- they're going to kick Torrey Smith to the curb in the offseason. Mac Hollins is your starting wide receiver in a Carson Wentz offense for the foreseeable future. He is a great dynasty in Empire League stash. I bet in Canada they call him Sorry Smith. <laughs> yeah, I got a chuckle out of him. Yeah, thank you. Don't call. forget that Alshon, also a free agent after this year, so... No they, no, they just signed him on his big deal. It wasn't a one-year deal. Yeah, it was a one-year deal. Are you sure? Yeah. I don't know about that. I'm not saying you're wrong, but that doesn't jive with my memory. But that'd be Mac Hollins' number one. They'd be go-to receiver at that point. Uh, memorial moment for ACDC founder Malcolm Young. The, T, the, uh, the band has just announced his passing. He has been battling cancer, I believe, for like three years unfortunately, and has finally succumbed. We've been playing lightning round here for the over 10 years. Um, so a moment, we'll, uh, we'll both dispense fantasy advice and keep Malcolm Young's uh, uh, family in mind as we go to the phones and we begin with Craig. Hi, Craig. Hi, Paul. Uh, like you tell, uh, wonder why you don't rank defenses and uh, will you take uh, Collins or uh, Jamal Williams this week? Sure, you can take the. Uh, Collins I'll, I'll go with uh, Jamal Williams. Uh, Baltimore is backfield way too crowded for me right now. And um, we just don't have time. Uh, is the answer on kickers and defense? We just we just don't have time in two hours. Andy, you're next. Uh, full point PPR: JD McKissick or Danny Woodhead. Uh, McKissick is the guy who's got a starting grade for many of us this week, so I'd stick with him. By I'd, the way, I like I actually like Woodhead. But, Alshon. Yeah. Yeah, one year, nine point five million. Wow, nicely done. Free agent, outstanding. Mac Holland. I'm telling you, Empire Leaguers, Dynasty Leaguers, Mac Hollins. Uh, Rich, you're next. Uh, Jameson Crowder or Doug Martin? Crowder or Martin? Uh, yeah. I think they the both got C's. touches. Yeah, I'll take Martin yeah, yeah. with the guaranteed touches. I think I will. Um, well, you know what? I'm going Crowder. Ooh. He's been he's averaged eight catches a game the last two weeks, and we think they're going to throw. They think they're gonna, we think they're going to throw through that whole game. I'm switching it to Crowder. Jason, you're next. Hey guys, Fitzgerald or Sterling Shepard? Right. Ooh, wow, man! I would almost bench anyone else other than those two. I, I love, love them both, <laughs> but I I gotta go Fitz. Gotta go Fitz. Really? I, I, Look at the quarterback differential. I know Kareem Jackson just gets roasted from the slot. I don't know. Fitz is just. Fitz is the man. Shepard is Sterling the- Shepard's matchup is awesome as well. I don't know. I'm right. going with the Hall of Famer. All right. Ben, you're next. Hey, guys. Um, it's been good. Automatically playoff and chase the bye week. And now with Seattle's conundrum, I'm thinking dropping them. Would you drop them for like a, uh, a Chargers or a Bears defense or some top ten? Uh, if you're going to drop them, I just say you play the matchups the rest of the way out. See who's playing yeah. Cleveland. Stream see every who's week. playing Houston. Yeah. Stream the stream against the bad quarterbacks. And I would drop the Seattle defense. Yeah, I think that's a good move. Ryan, you're next on the fan. Yeah, Marshawn Lynch or uh, Burkhead PPR. Uh, because it's PPR, we're going to take Burkhead. Uh, Pete, you are next. Kenyon Drake or P Ryan. 
right. uh, I got to go, Drake. Charges take a chance on me running back. I like I Drake this week. Mark, you're on the fan. Yeah, Fournette can't go. Chris Thompson or Sterling Shepard? Uh, Again, Sterling Shepard, folks. This is yes. a I, my number Shepherd nine here. wide receiver. <laughs> I mean, absolutely love him. Our final call of the day will be Grover. Hello, Grover. Uh, good morning. Great program, guys. PPR, Kevin Coleman or Mike Evans? Uh, Mike Evans. Yeah. You, I mean, we, we can't bench Evans. I realize Coleman's going to get the vast majority of the work, and that counts for something, but no, we can't uh, We can't go that far. Yeah. Uh, Gophers versus no, is it Northwestern. I think it's Northwestern this week. Gophers versus Northwestern pregame show coming up next. If you missed any part of the show, this show, check out the podcast, KFAN, Fan On Demand, also available on iTunes, and Tony will have it posted when? Immediately following the show. Immediately following the show, which it's currently now immediately following the show. Goodbye. You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan.